The title uh, and the subject of message three is the losing of the soul life and receiving the salvation of the soul. Uh, to a very significant extent, I have become aware that this for many dear saints is a quite a, well, deeply personally touching subject. And for some, it's kind of fearsome. And now there will be a message aimed at myself, my soul life, whatever that is. And then there's something about the salvation of the soul. Uh, what is that? Is that the same thing as the transformation of the soul? Being aware of this, on the one hand, I need to present the truth here faithfully and as clearly as I'm able to do so. On the other hand, I look to the Lord that we can all together uh, go through this outline, consider the crucial points, under the Lord's shepherding of our soul, that we will be enlightened, that we will be motivated, we may be alerted and sobered, but we need a message such as this, especially as surely we're nearing the end of the age. As I mentioned before, I don't engage in estimating, trying to predict, trying to figure out when will this happen, when will the Lord come. I will not do that. But surely, this age has been going on for 2,000 years almost, there's no doubt we're nearing the end, nearing the consummation of the age. And as you look at the scripture reading, there are many references to the Gospel of Luke. And the verses in chapters 14, 17, and 21 which we cannot read now, I leave that to you, show the connection between losing our soul life and the Lord's rapture and the kingdom. And there are even verses where the Lord speaks of the rapture. Two women were grinding one taken, the other left. Two men in the field, one taken and the other left. Therefore, we, we need to pay attention 
to this part of the word. This is a very crucial aspect of living an overcoming life. We know from Revelation 12, 13, uh, 12, 11, we're told they overcame him, Satan, by the blood of the Lamb and by the word of their testimony. That was how we overcome the enemy's accusations. And then the verse goes on, and they loved not their soul life, even unto death. This was part of the basis of overcoming. The enemy only fears one kind of Christian. We learn this from Brother Nee. And that kind of Christian is one who does not love the soul life. Before we begin to proceed through the outline, I want to read some verses from Matthew 10 and the scripture references there from Luke 9 with the the hope this would kind of point the way into the message for all of us. So in Matthew chapter 10, we read verses 37 through 39. Very direct words from him. Let's remember, this is in the book of the kingdom. It is written for those who are in the kingdom of God, living the kingdom life in order to receive the kingdom reward. So here the Lord speaks in this book concerning the reality of the kingdom, the outward appearance in a religious way of the kingdom, and the manifestation of the kingdom, and along with this, certain prophecies concerning the coming of the kingdom. Now the verses here. He who loves father or mother above me is not worthy of me. And he who loves son or daughter above me is not worthy of me. Very striking very penetrating. The Lord is indicating not that we don't love father or mother, not that we don't love son or daughter, but not love them more than we love the Lord. And it's just a fact, brothers and sisters, that there are many among us and among Christians everywhere who love the Lord, but not first. There's someone or even something else 
they love above him. And some love father or mother more than the Lord. The Lord may direct a young adult, legally an adult, go to the full-time training somewhere on the earth. But the parents say, no, you should not go. We don't want you to go. That's not practical. Well, some, they love father and mother more than the Lord. So they don't follow the Lord. Then he who loves son or daughter above me is not worthy of me. Then the Lord connects this natural human love. It's normal, it's human, but it's natural. It's not love is the fruit of the Spirit, not yet. And then he goes on, verse 38, And he who does not take his cross and follow after me is not worthy of me. In this context, the words his cross refer to a believer's experience of the cross in relation to natural human love and affection. Yes, the cross needs to touch this part of our being. Then the Lord concludes by saying, he who finds his soul life shall lose it. And he who loses his soul life for my sake shall find it. The soul life is the natural, created, but contaminated human life in the soul. On the one hand, the soul is a person, the self, and also an organ, mind, emotion, and will. But the soul has its own life, the life of the soul, which is tied to the self. And the characteristic of the soul life is seeking what it wants, and rejecting what it dislikes, and trying to have as much pleasure and enjoyment for the self, and to avoid any hardship that will deprive the soul of its enjoyment. But the Lord makes it very clear, if someone finds that is, holds to it, takes heed to it, pays attention to it, coddles it, takes care of it. At the judgment seat of Christ, we'll see what this means later, he will lose his soul life. And for a thousand years, there will be suffering in the soul. But he who loses his soul life 
for my sake, not for any other reason. Not to deny yourself for yourself. Not to lose your soul life to fulfill your own ambition. But are willing to deny the soul's pleasures and preferences for the Lord's sake. You love him above all, even above natural affection. And such a one who loses it for his sake, the soul life, will find it. Again, I say, we'll see this later in the outline. He will receive the enjoyment of the soul in the kingdom. And then I would like to read the verses from Luke 9, and that's uh, 23 through 25. And he said to them all, If anyone wants to come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross daily and follow me. So this is not a matter of doing something to get salvation eternally. We have eternal life by believing into Christ, the Son of God. But now as believers, some want to come after me. As some in the gospel said, Lord, we will come after you. But they were not willing to pay the price to follow him. And so any of us today in the Lord's recovery who want to follow the Lord, we need to deny the self. So we need to know what it is and recognize when it's operating. And then we deny it, take up the cross, and follow the Lord as the Spirit in our spirit. For whoever wants to save his soul life shall lose it. But whoever loses his soul life for my sake, this one shall save it. I put I stop here. This is sufficient. So let's put together a few things from these verses. The Lord begins by saying, If you love father or mother, son or daughter, above me, you're not worthy of me in the kingdom. There is no way you can live an overcoming life. There's no possibility for you to receive the kingdom as a reward because you love someone, even someone humanly so dear to you, above me. So you're not worthy of being my disciple. Then he connects loving someone above the Lord with our soul life. 
that in our soul lie. We love certain persons. We are neutral about other persons. We strongly dislike even other persons. The soul life has all kinds of preferences. But there in Matthew 10, the Lord goes to the core. Then this is reinforced by the verses that we read from Luke 9. So he's asking this. Do you want to follow me? In Revelation 14, at the beginning of that chapter, we have the rapture of the living overcomers. They are the first fruits. They are the believers on the earth who have matured first. So they're ready to be reaped, so to speak. And one of their outstanding characteristics is that they follow the Lamb wherever he goes. We need to read that in light of Luke 9. Do you want to follow me? If you choose to follow me, you must deny the self. Lose the soul life. Take up your cross. Then you will be able to follow me as the spirit in your spirit. Now we go step by step through the outline. And the Roman numeral one says, in our Christian life, we may save our soul life, and lose it. Or lose our soul life for the Lord's sake and save it. It's of extreme importance that we understand this because we're involved with this. We're believers. We're subject to this word of the Lord. So it's possible in our Christian life to save our soul life, to indulge our soul life, to allow it to have its way, to try to get, give it as much natural enjoyment. You must avoid any kind of suffering or hardship. Don't go to a place like the full-time training, be under discipline, limitation, not being allowed to do this or that, but focusing on the truth and life and experiencing Christ and serving and fellowship and oneness. We have to decide what kind of Christian life we will leave, we will live. And this is our basic attitude. Will we save it and then lose it later? Or will we, will we be willing to lose it, again I say, for the Lord's sake, not for us to become something, to have something, to fulfill an ambition, 
but for the Lord's sake. A. In Luke 9, 23-25, the Lord Jesus taught the disciples to take up their cross and follow him by denying their soul life. To save the soul life is to allow the soul to have its enjoyment and to escape suffering. This is what it is, to save the soul. I want to avoid any kind of discomfort, any kind of suffering as much as possible. And I want to have as much enjoyment in the soul as possible. But to lose the soul life is to cause the soul to lose its enjoyment and thereby to suffer. Okay, the soul wants to do a certain thing or buy a certain thing for its enjoyment. Then we realize this is the self, this is the soul life. We say, no, I will not do this. I'm not a robot. Something's not manipulating me. I make a decision, no then that's a suffering. The self doesn't like that. The soul's not happy. But the Lord does not leave us in a vacuum. Then when we are one with him and follow him, there is a wonderful joy in the Lord himself. Two, to lose the soul life is to lose the enjoyment of the soul. Okay, let's please be clear. We're not losing the soul life for the sake of itself. We're losing the enjoyment of the soul for the Lord's sake. There's something he wants us to be something he wants us to do, somewhere he wants us to go. This is for his sake. He wants us to preach the gospel. He wants us to contact people to shepherd them. He wants us to function organically in the meetings. He wants us to pray now. Soul life doesn't want to. So, which way do we go? When we lose the soul life, the soul loses some of its kind of enjoyment. And to save the soul life is to preserve the soul and its enjoyment, to guard, to protect, to nurture, to nurture. Oh, no, no. It's not that I just need some rest. Of course we need rest. It's I want this. My soul loves this. I must have this and do this for joy. Otherwise, life is just too hard. 
That's why, at least in the United States, maybe these restaurants are in many places now, there's one called TGIF Fridays. From that saying, thank God it's Friday. People endure their work and live for the weekend. That's the soul life. But our weekends are in the church life. We take care of our human responsibilities. There may be practical service on Saturday, contacting people, meeting with companions, preaching the gospel, meetings on the Lord's Day. This is losing our soul life for the Lord's sake. Three, to deny the self is to reject the soul's desire, preference, and choice. Like everyone else, I'm a disciple. I'm a learner. I know, it's what, I know what happens inwardly when we refuse to reject the soul's desire, preference, and choice. And so you let the soul have this. You have some momentary pleasure. And then after that, you sense death and darkness and then you just have to repent and come back because that's not what we're here for. We need joy. But joy is a fruit of the Spirit. The kingdom of God is joy in the Holy Spirit. The church is the kingdom of the Son of God's love. It's a lovely place. When we eat and digest the word, it becomes gladness and joy in our heart. We need this. But we need it as a result of our following the Lord. For we must deny our soul, our soulish life, with all its pleasures in this age, so that we may gain it in the enjoyment of the Lord in the coming age. So to gain our soul life, we're beginning to see now at this point, is when the Lord says, the suffering required in following me is over. Enter into the joy of your master. Enter into thousand years of wonderful joy. And this joy will just permeate your soul. Because this will be joy in your soul that has its source in me. And you share my joy. What is my pleasure and delight? Much higher than anything you've ever known. And this is what it means to gain our soul life. But those who want to protect their soul life, to preserve it, to indulge it, they'll find out you can't have it both ways. You can't save your soul, soul life now 
And then now you're with the Lord, you enter into his joy. No, you made the choice. You either lose your soul life now with this enjoyment or lose it for a thousand years when the Lord, when you, we meet the Lord. Or you're willing to lose your soul life to follow for the Lord's sake at any cost. Then when you meet him, he says, well done, good and faithful servant. Enter into my joy. That is saving the soul life. And that's the salvation of the soul. We will see. Five. If we allow our soul to suffer the loss of its enjoyment in this age for the Lord's sake, we will cause our soul to have its enjoyment in the kingdom age. This is quite a thought. So here we allow our soul to suffer loss of its enjoyment in this age for the Lord's sake. Again, we're not ascetics, punishing the self, the self killing the self. We are suffering the loss of the enjoyment of the soul life. In this age, however long we may live, it's not a thousand years, so that we may gain it in the enjoyment of the Lord in the coming age. When the Lord was on earth, he was a man of sorrows. Yes, he could rejoice in the Father and in the Father's will and way with him. But he suffered beyond anyone could ever imagine until he suffered to the ultimate on the cross. But then he said, it is finished. And there will be the enjoyment of the Lord in the coming age. We should do a comparison. Do you want several decades of as much soulish enjoyment as you can cultivate and lose the joy of the Lord in the kingdom of a thousand years? Or are you willing to let go of the soul life with its kind of enjoyment for the Lord's sake. I repeat again, not for anything you want, not for anything you hope to be or get or do in the recovery or in the world. This is for the person, the Lord Jesus, whom you love above loving everything anyone else in your life, then you enter into his joy. <clears throat> then the rest of point five is we will share the Lord's joy in ruling over the earth. So the Lord's joy will become our joy. B, in Luke 14 26 through 35, the Lord taught us to be absolute in following him and to hate 
everything, even our own soul life, that distracts, hinders, and frustrates us from following him faithfully. As the salt of the earth, the believer's taste depends on their renouncing of the earthly things. So will we actually be salt? The salt can lose its savor in the way just mentioned here. Two, believers may lose their taste, (coughs) their function in the kingdom of God by not being willing to renounce all the things of the present age. It makes us tasteless. And so when a believer does this, and you have colleagues at work or or fellow students, and eventually they find out you're a Christian, they're shocked. There is just nothing about you that gives them the impression that you're a real believer. But on the contrary, we know that many co-workers or friends or fellow students, they sense there's something different about this person. There's something respectful about her or him. This is the salt. If the believers lose their taste, their function, they will fit neither for the land, signifying the church as God's farm, which issues in the coming kingdom, nor for the manure pile signaling hell, the filthy place in the universe, having been saved from eternal perdition, but being unfit for the coming kingdom, they will be thrown out from the glory of the kingdom in the millennium and be put aside for discipline. I realize this is a hard word. It's directly from the Lord. We should not be selective. We should read the New Testament, the Bible, again and again, from beginning to end, without preference. We may have favorite verses and books, but we don't ignore or neglect all that God has spoken to us. C, preserving the soul life is related to lingering in the earthly and material things. In one of his speaking, the Lord said, if you're on the top of the house and you realize it's rapture time, the Lord is coming. Don't rush downstairs and get precious things from your house. If you're out in the field, on your job, wherever, working, don't go back home for your smartphone, for this or that. Just follow the Lord. We linger 
in the earthly things, because we care for our soul's enjoyment in the present age. And so, uh, well, some brothers say, my tools, my toolbox, they enjoy mechanical things. Others would say, oh, my books, my library, I, I want to take some of my favorite books. You want to read Moby Dick or Brothers Karamazov in the kingdom? Or whatever it is. Instantaneously, we'll have to react. If we're still attached to things, we will be like Lot's wife. That's in point two. When Lot and his family were told to leave Sodom and were led by the angels out of Sodom, they were told, don't look back. When you look back, that means you are missing it. You, there's something there. You feel you're losing. It's precious to you. Lot's wife became a pillar of salt because she took a lingering look backward at Sodom, indicating that she loved and treasured the evil world that God was going to judge and utterly destroy. We should not be uh, reckless here personally and say, oh no, I'm for the Lord absolutely. I love him above everything and everyone. Well, I've used this illustration a number of times. Like all illustrations like this, it has its limits, but I think it makes a point. I can tell when a young man who has bought a new car and saved a lot of money, oh, it's a BMW, it's a Mercedes-Benz, it's a Jaguar, And when he parks the car and comes out, closes the door and walks away, he turns around and looks back at the car. I remember doing this, I have to admit, more than 55 years ago. I wonder why did I do that? Then the Lord dealt with cars and my attachment to any car that I had. Now I never look back. I really hope in the Lord that I will never linger, never look back. Not not asking, where are my car keys? Where's the iPad? Where's the smartphone? Where's my favorite tie? You'll have a wedding garment. You don't need your tie, your suits, your favorite dress, your shoes. You don't need anything athletic. You won't need your golf clubs. I think you're getting the point. 
we may have them. The crucial thing is not being attached to them. We would just leave them automatically. When we sense inwardly come, we respond. She was rescued from Sodom, but she did not reach the safe place that Lot reached. Although she did not perish, she was not fully saved. But like the salt that becomes tasteless, she was left in a place of shame. This is a solemn warning to the world-loving believers. The Lord said those three words, at least in English they are, remember Lot's wife. I have never seen, you know, a a t-shirt I enjoy seeing the ones that have scripture on them and statements of truth on them. I'm not suggesting we have one that I'm going to mention. I've never seen one that says on the front, remember Lot's wife. Remember. Well, we might remember at a certain point when we are in a rather energized, enthusiastic phase of our life. Oh, I'm just for the Lord. But much of this is really in our natural life. Then as the years go by, we accumulate this and that. We're involved in this and that. We own this and that. And it's another level of test. Will you linger in this? Are you attached to this? One way of knowing whether you're attached is if anything happens to it. Oh, you're doing, look what you did when you're, you're ironing, you ruined my tie. If you're angry, if you are sad, disappointed, That shows attachment. The tie is just a tie that I need to wear to be properly dressed. If I never wear it again, never see it again, okay. I don't want to miss the rapture for an iPad, for a car, not even for a pet, not for a cat. Not for your house. I know I'm emphasizing this. This has to get through. We need to open to the Lord and ask him, is there anything that will cause me to linger and look back? Save me from lingering in the earthly things. We read point three now. Lingering in the earthly things for the sake of the soul's enjoyment will cause us to lose 
our soul. It just happened one time with Lot's wife. The Lord didn't say, okay, I'll give you a second chance. Try to, try to journey now and not look back. No. This is the righteous judgment of the kingdom. Lingering in the earthly things. For the sake of the soul's enjoyment. That's the connection. Saints may be lingering in these things because they are related to their soul's enjoyment. And that lingering will cause them to lose their soul when they meet the Lord at the judgment seat. The Lord could say, you cared more for that than for me. Whereas two were in the field, two were grinding, fulfilling their human responsibilities, living a normal human life, not sitting around clothed in white, waiting for the Lord to come, as certain cultic groups or heretical groups advocated. You keep grinding, you keep working. You live a normal human life. But one of those women, inwardly, is living in another realm while she's grinding. And she's one with the Lord. And the Lord indicates in her inward parts, it's time she's taken. The other is tied, maybe not to grinding, but to things in her being that hold her back. Same with the two men in the field. So to lose our soul, that is, our soul will suffer the loss of its enjoyment in the coming kingdom age. So this is the picture. If we have at least some kind of sense the end of the age, this age is approaching. We don't know when. How dare we say in X number of years this will happen? Prophecies need to be fulfilled. The location for the temple in Jerusalem needs to be recovered. Israel must make a covenant with a European leader who will eventually be Antichrist. Those things can happen in a short period of time. But for the first, fruit, first fruits to be produced by growth in life to maturity requires time. And so some, I don't know why or how they can think this way, but surely this comes from the self and they take in this life from the world, you can have everything. You can have everything. And some have said this to young people, to, let's say, a woman. Okay, you can have everything. 
You can have a husband. You can have a family. You can have a career. You can have money. You can have enjoyment. You can have everything. That is a lie. And especially if we would dare to think, oh, God is kind and merciful and compassionate. Didn't we read that in Lamentations? So I want to have enjoyment now, and then I want to have enjoyment in the kingdom. Well, there's no such option. You have to choose. And something needs to motivate you to choose. That is loving the Lord in his preciousness, in his all-inclusiveness, to love him above everyone and everything, above everything you have, everything you do, above every person. You love him. And you lose your soul life for his sake and for what he wants to accomplish, which is to build his church, to build up the body of Christ in and through the local churches. He wants the gospel of the kingdom announced throughout the inhabited earth. He wants this kind of service. And so we choose, Lord, for your sake, if anything you require me to do or be or whatever, if I have to lose some enjoyment in my soul, so be it. I am following you. I love you. I am living to you. And your word is guiding me. I like to learn from Moses. What position he had potentially in the Egyptian world. What kind of wealth, political power. But he chose to reject all that. And to be one with his people that were suffering. And he rejected the temporary enjoyment of sin. And he believed in the invisible one and believed in the reward that was coming. He made a choice. This extraordinary human being who then spent 40 years in a training in the wilderness, then served for 40 years this is a pattern to us. What are we here for? What were we created for? Redeemed and regenerated for? Why, why are we in the Lord's recovery? It's for the Lord's sake. It's for the desire of God's heart, for the will of God, for the kingdom of God. We're waiting for the trumpet to sound. Rejoice and exalt. The marriage of the Lamb has come. His bride, his wife, has made herself ready. We're for this. We're preparing for a wedding to enter into the Lord's joy, 
to reign with him for a thousand years. Oh, I long that all the saints, but especially the young adults and even those younger than young adults, You're living for the future. You have dreams about the future. What a blessing it would be to you to determine at your present age, I am following the Lamb wherever he goes. I have decided not to save my soul life in this age. I choose to follow the Lord. For his sake I will lose it. I believe and trust his word. I will gain my soul with its enjoyment and enter into the Lord's joy. My responsibility is to release at least the crucial truths concerning this. But there's a burden in me that's even somewhat surprising to me as I'm speaking. Lord, we're nearing the end of the age. Save us from loving the present age instead of loving your appearance. Save us from loving the world and the things in the world. Guide us to live a normal human life at whatever age or stage we're in. Yes, we can be married and have children Take care of these things so that we may spend all of our years to follow you, to live for your sake, to do the will of God, to seek the kingdom first. Now, Roman 2 is about the salvation of the soul in 1 Peter one nine, And that means that our soul will be saved from sufferings into the full enjoyment of the Lord at his revelation. Remember that the subject of 1 Peter is the Christian life under the government of God. And Peter was writing in a shepherding way for suffering believers throughout the earth. And he pointed out to them that what you are experiencing is under God's government. And his government is carried out by righteous judgment. Now, you need to realize that your faith is passing through trials like gold refined by fire. Your faith is being proved as it is being developed. But here we are, fellow believers. We love the one whom we have not seen. And we believe in him, our Lord, whom we have not seen. With joy unspeakable 
and full of glory. That's right now. Then he indicates that if we learn to live by grace, humbly, under the hand of God in the government of God, and receive the shepherding care of Christ, the shepherd of our souls, and love the brothers and feed on the word and be built up into a spiritual house that has fulfilled God's purpose. When the Lord is revealed, that is manifested visibly, your soul will be saved from suffering. Your soul has been suffering. But it's over. Now it's saved from suffering into the Lord's enjoyment. But we know from the other scriptures that someone like Demas, who when there was the test of standing with Paul, when Paul is about to be killed, he abandoned him because he loved the present age. That was his soul, loving that, saving that. Do you think Demas will receive the kingdom reward? No way. Now the subpoints, and our time is good. A, the proving of our faith results in the receiving of the end of our faith the salvation of our souls. I have time. I would like to read these verses from 1 Peter 1, 7 through 9. So then the proving of your faith, much more precious than of gold which perishes, though it is proved by fire, may be found unto praise and glory and honor at the revelation of Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ, whom having not seen, you love. And to whom, though not seeing him at present, yet believing, You exult with joy that is unspeakable and full of glory, receiving the end of your faith, the salvation of your soul. Please notice in verse 8, you exult, not will exult, You exult with joy that is unspeakable and full of glory. I think again of Brother Nee's testimony at the very end. He made known in a wise way through a letter to someone close to him. And he said, I have maintained, I have kept my joy. What kind of suffering did he pass through 
not during only during those 20 years, almost since the time he was saved. But he maintained his joy. When we are willing, as he was willing, to lose his soul life, to leave Hong Kong and go back into China, this was the Lord's arrangement for him. He did not save his soul life. He did not try to preserve it. But in the midst of his incarceration and dealing, there was joy. Just a, we can't imagine when he is there with the Lord, with the overcomers, when the Lord is manifested, will he not experience the salvation of the soul. It's all over. Oh, it was worth it. The almost 70 years of my life, maybe 68, 69 years, it was worth it. Now I enter into the joy of the Lord. I'm part of the bride. A thousand years of joy. This is the salvation of the soul. So our soul can be saved in two very different ways. We can do it now to do everything possible to avoid suffering and simply are not willing to pay the price to follow the Lord. Or we make the decision for the Lord's sake I will lose my soul life. I say now probably for the fourth time, not for our sake, not for our spirituality, not for us to become this or that in the recovery. You young brothers who love the Lord, who are in the training or have finished the training, I I say this on behalf of the Lord, we promise you nothing. Nothing. This is not the time for us to have our reward, to have our glory. This is the time for losing our soul life for the Lord's sake. One and two under A. The emphasis in First Peter one seven is not on faith but on the proving of faith by trials that come through sufferings, then our faith is proved. I believe in the salvation of the soul. I believe that those who lose their soul life in this age will find it, will receive it when the Lord comes and will enter into the Lord's joy for a thousand years. I believe this. This is the word of God. This is the faithful word of the ministry. And I choose to take this way. I'm representing us all by the eye. Two, these trials are used by God to prove and try our faith to see whether we will follow Christ in suffering. 
you realize the Lord wants me to leave the pleasant environment where I live and to move to another place for his increase or I move to Europe or another part of the earth for his service. I won't have Baskin-Robbins probably. I won't be able to get my favorite pizza probably. I'm saying this deliberately, a little lightheartedly. I'm aware this will cost me something. I will be in a very different situation with much pressure day and night. But I choose to take this way. If I follow you in suffering, thank you, Lord, for the honor, the privilege, the opportunity to follow the Lamb wherever he goes. B, we must deny our soul, our soulish life, with its pleasures in this age that we may gain it in the enjoyment of the Lord in the coming age. And there we have Matthew 10. The Lord knows. He's the shepherd of our soul. He knows our disposition. He knows what we love, what are precious to us, what kind of affection we have. And he's the one who said, if you love father or mother above me, you're not worthy. Who wants to hear that word spoken by the Lord? You're not worthy of the kingdom now. You loved your son and daughter above me. I provided you with a way to love your parents, to love your children, according to God, to love them with my love, a love that always gives the first place to Christ. But you didn't take that way. My word was so clear, wasn't it? You have to take up your cross. You have to lose the soul life and you'll save it. See, at the Lord's revelation, some believers will enter into the joy of the Lord and some will suffer in weeping and gnashing of teeth. I remember vividly a speaking in a church meeting in Los Angeles in either 1969 or 1970. And it was a sister, 17 years of age, who was honestly telling us the choice she made. Now this sister was extraordinarily beautiful. And a 17-year-old young woman is certainly going to attract all kinds of young men. 
And she said, I choose to not take this way. I will not be in their recovery. I want to have the present enjoyment. And I know, she said this, I will be saved through fire. So now, she is 67, 68 years. I don't know what she thinks now. What it will be like. But she explicitly, at least she was forthright. She didn't hide it. I choose to indulge my soul life. No matter what it costs. But others may do this secretly, inwardly. They may have the guise, the mask of pretension of, oh, I am really consecrated. Oh, I give everything to the Lord. I remember, I'm not picking on sisters. This happened to be a sister. This was a few decades ago. Probably the most powerful self I've ever seen in a woman. And she gave this testimony. And at the end she said, I do not love my soul life. Not long after that, she left the Lord's recovery in a most negative way and has been fighting against the recovery for so long. This is not losing the soul life. And we need to realize we're not superior to anyone. What others can do, we're capable of doing. This is Paul's word in Galatians 6. If a brother is fallen, overtaken in some failure, you who are spiritual, restore such a one in meekness, a spirit of meekness, considering yourself lest you also be stumbled. So we are here, still now, by the Lord's mercy, by his preserving grace. But we cannot say that at a certain time in the future, we may make a a U-turn or decide to take another way because something hurt us, something is troubling us, something is too costly for us. How we need to be humbled under the Lord's hand, receive his grace, receive his training, his discipline now, so we can truly say, Lord, I follow you. I will lose my soul life for your sake. D, to enter into the Lord's joy is the salvation of our souls. E, at the revelation of the Lord Jesus, his coming, our soul will be saved and we will be qualified to participate in the Lord's enjoyment in the coming age. 
Doesn't that sound so pleasant? To be qualified to participate in the Lord's enjoyment in the coming age. Don't we all want this? Isn't this our choice? But please don't think that you're making a vow by your own energy and a promise from now on you will lose your soul life. That's relying upon yourself. That's a promise you will not be able to fulfill. Instead, we need to give ourselves to the Lord, telling him of our decision to live to him, to follow him at any cost, to lose our soul life for his sake. Yes, Lord, we want to be qualified to participate in your joy. But now in this age, we want our life to contribute to the fulfillment of God's eternal purpose. So I give myself to you for this, but only you can live this way. Only you can be this. So I trust in your grace, in your mercy, in your life supply, in your person, in your interceding, in your shepherding. But this is my choice. This is my decision. I choose to receive the salvation of my soul at your manifestation and to pay the the price of losing it in this age. F. If we would receive the end of our faith, the salvation of our souls, we must not be of those who shrink back to ruin, but of those who have faith to the gaining of the soul. That's Hebrews 10.39. The gaining or saving of our soul depends on how we deal with our soul in following the Lord after we are saved and regenerated. If we lose our soul now for the Lord's sake, we will save it. And it will be saved or gained at the Lord's coming back. The gaining of the soul will be the reward of the kingdom to the overcoming followers of the Lord. Here we are now, brothers and sisters, under the Lordship of Christ, under his shepherding care, under his ministry to us. May the Lord expand our spiritual vision deepen our spiritual understanding that we can see beyond the present moment and decide in this age we follow the Lord whatever the cost. If my soul must suffer, let it suffer. Because I long for that day when you say to me and others, Well done, good and faithful servant. 
enter into the joy of your master. By the Lord's mercy, I live to hear those words. May we all be enlightened by this word. May we all come to the Lord as we are and open to him. And let him lead us, work in us, and gain us so that we can be among the first fruits who now follow the Lamb wherever he goes. And then at the time of rapture, we follow him vertically to the throne of God to be presented to our God and Father to fulfill the desire of his heart.